0: I think about that often. This is not part of the sermon today, but um, maybe it is. Who knows? Um, not me. Um, we talked about this a little bit on, our, uh, on Wednesday night in our men's Bible study, but right through the storm, he's Lord. And, and, and we talked about at one point the story, right, of the 12 disciples and Jesus are out on a boat, right? And this, the storm starts crashing on around him and the 12 disciples are like, we're going to die. And there's Jesus just asleep. And we talked about that's because not just because he's God, right? And he controls the storm, which we know that he does cuz he gets up and it's like why do you guys have such little faith and he stretches out his hand and the waves calm, right? But it's also because he knows whom he serves and who 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 goes before him. Right? And that same God that Jesus served, same God that Jesus was and is, is the same God that you are serving. And in the midst of the storm, Maybe the boat does capsize, but we can trust that he's still in control of those waves. And throughout that whole storm, he is still God. He is still Lord, Lord of it all. I don't know. That's such a powerful statement to me, both in Scripture and then in what we sang, to, uh, of hope and of, and of courage and of faith to know where we're going. So that's not part of the sermon today, but uh, you get that part too. All right, so I mentioned that we're going to be talking about uh, the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about the three things that Micah tells us the Lord is required of us. And the first one, he says, is to seek justice. And when I look at it, right, so I'll give you a little clue uh, into how I write a sermon. When I look at that stuff, my brain goes, okay, we need to answer two questions. Being commanded to seek justice raises two questions in my mind. Does anybody know what one of them is? It's not rhetorical. Does anybody want to guess what one of those two things is? What is justice and how do you seek it? You two got them both. What is justice? If if I'm supposed to seek after justice, I got to know what it is first, right? And then if if I'm supposed to seek after it, how am I supposed to seek after it? So that's number one on your note sheet. What is justice? What is justice? And more importantly, what is the justice that, Micah 6.8 is referring to, because it is not the idea of justice that you and I would have, right? When we think of justice, we think of like courtrooms and lawyers and somebody who has done wrong getting what they deserve or somebody who has done right getting set free, a justice like that. That is not the sort of justice you are commanded to seek. Psalm 146 verses 7 and 9 says this, And it's up there on your screens. Who executes justice for the oppressed? Who gives food to the hungry? The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the stranger. He supports the fatherless and the widow, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. I didn't write this down on there, but notice who it says does all of those things. Does it ever once mention you or I? It's the Lord who does it, okay? Now, we are supposed to be his hands and his feet, right? His, his tools here on earth. But just as it says, don't, don't seek revenge, right? Revenge is mine, says the Lord. Let Christ dole out the justice because you and I are going to fail at it miserably. Just, just putting that out there. Okay, so there's one word that I think summarizes all of those things outside of the very last one when it says he thwarts the way of the wicked, Seeking justice, this is justice, not seeking justice. Justice in this tense means to protect or take care of the vulnerable. To protect or take care of the vulnerable. And it mentions a bunch of them there. The widow, the poor, the orphan, the hungry, the oppressed. It mentions all those sorts of people right? And if you read in the New Testament, I didn't put those verses, these verses up there, but if you read in the New Testament, some of the greatest stuff that the church is supposed to do is take care of the widows in their church, the orphans in their church, the oppressed in their church, and then outside of their church as well after that. You take care of your own and then go out after that, right? And it's with what is within your power and your ability that Christ gives you. Because here's the thing, right? You and I really don't have a lot of power and abilities. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble in here, but when it comes down to it, there will always be somebody with more power, more authority, more ability, more resources than you and I. There just will be. You live in New Milford, Pennsylvania. It's the way it is. I like to think of myself As a fairly talented musician in New Milford, Pennsylvania, I go to Scranton, and I wouldn't even probably rank in the top 200, let alone a place like New York City or Nashville, Tennessee, or L.A., where I couldn't even sniff getting anywhere. In New Milford, Pennsylvania, I'm pretty good, right? The fact of the matter is that you and I don't have really a lot of power and ability and authority. We don't. That's why it's important to notice who is the one who does the stuff. It is the Lord, and that is capital L-O-R-D, which is the word Yahweh. They are saying, the psalmist says, it is the I am who takes care of people. You are just supposed to be his hands and his feet. And that should be really encouraging to you, because if God said to me, Sam, go take care of the poor, the orphan, the widow, the oppressed, go, get, go at it. What? I know I have more than some. I have less than others. I know I have more ability than some in certain areas. I have way less than others in certain areas. It's very encouraging to me that God says, I'll do it. I just want you to be used. Allow me to use you in it. Notice something else. And this is in these verses, but also throughout Scripture. You are never in Scripture called to seek justice for yourself. You are never called to seek justice for yourself. You are called to make it about other people. Church, I've said this, I don't know how many times over the past four and a half or so years, a little bit, a little bit more than four and a half now, four and three quarter. You don't matter, everyone else does. I've had many conversations with people who are, say things like, at what point do I consider my own needs? I don't know, find me a spot in scripture. Now, we've said this before as well. If you're going to do what Jesus did and go off for a couple hours and spend some time with God, that's fine, right? I'm not telling you to not do that. You do need to recharge with from the source. I'm not telling you not to do that. I am saying, though, And this goes way counter-cultural to where we are right now, where it is all about me, 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 me. Our entire culture, especially in America, is me-focused. And God says, I have never and will never ask you to be you-focused. I have always and will always ask you to be others-focused. You are not called to seek justice for yourself. You are not called to go, I am the oppressed, I will take over. No. Here's the other thing that's important. We are not called to make the oppressed the oppressor. You are never called to go from being oppressed to oppressing other people, ever. If God takes you out of oppression, it is not so that you can rule. It is so that you are now his tools, his hands and his feet to go help others come out of the oppression. When you look throughout history, In almost every case, I won't say every single case because somebody might go, well, what about this one? But I could probably make a good case that it's every single time. Whenever an oppressed people rises up, within a few hundred years, and usually way shorter than that, who's the new oppressor? That same group of people who was the oppressed. And now they're just oppressing somebody else. It's this terrible cycle. Now, it's because we have human nature and we're sinful, dirty, rotten people. God has never called you to become an oppressor. You're never supposed to go that far. In short though, this justice is not what I deserve or what I earn because if it was that, church, we would all be in the lake of fire right now. You wouldn't be here listening to me preach or eating cookies or drinking coffee or whatever. It'd be hotter. Some of you might like that. Not going to hell, just more heat. But the fact of the matter is that if it was that kind of justice, we'd have no shot. That's not the type of justice you are told to seek. It is a justice that is you being there, taking care of, protecting the vulnerable, and specifically the types of ones that he puts out there. The orphan, the widow, the poor, the oppressed. Church, we should be the first ones on the front lines to help people. That's what we're called to do. So if we know that's what type of justice it is, if that's the justice we're seeking, how do we seek it? Number two on your note sheets. How do we seek it then? I want to read these two verses. It's Isaiah 1, 17, and Proverbs, well, it's actually three verses, but Proverbs 31, eight through nine. It reads like this. Learn to do good, seek justice. There it is again. Reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And then in Proverbs 31, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. All right, so here's how you do it. Speak up, defend, encourage, and plead. You are never called to remain silent in the face of oppression and wrongdoing. Now, I'm not saying that we should, listen, all of you in here, no, and, and if you if you're listening online or on the podcast, I've said this a billion times, that I am a staunch pro-lifer. Staunch pro-lifer. I will say this, very little good comes from a bunch of people outside of plant parenthood picketing. Very little good comes from it. You know what does come from good? Showing those poor women as they walk in there, or even the woman that wants to get an abortion as they walk in there that Christians care about them and care about their child. And we'll do what it takes to help them. Holding up a picket sign saying you're going to hell, that doesn't do anything. Standing outside of a, of a, of a, of a gay bar with a picket sign saying you're all going to hell, who does that help? Who does it help? Opening your mouth does not mean you scream in the face of sin and a sinner and tell them how horrible they are. What it does mean is, now I'm also not saying that we should go, listen, it's okay if you want to sin. I'm not saying that either, right? There are many of you in here who know me well enough, right? If I thought and had evidence that you were in a sin that was an unrepented sin, I would come to you. I've done it to some of you and said, hey, this is what the Bible says and this is what the evidence shows that you are doing. And they're not the same. They're at odds with each other. I hope I do it in love. That's my game plan. Um, I'm too much like my dad sometimes and tend to be a little bit too in your face with stuff. But I try to do it in love. I'm not saying we should just let sin be sin. Not at all. Never. I am saying that, especially when it comes to an unbeliever, your job is not to just slap them in the face with their sin. Your job is to show them Christ. As well, opening your mouth does not mean you're screaming um, even when it doesn't come to sin. It does mean you speak up for those who could not speak up, right? Slavery was one of the biggest blights on this country's history, bar none. I know there were some nice, nice quote-unquote, slave owners who treated their slaves nicely. I know that a lot of slaves, and this is true uh, historically, a lot of slaves stayed with their masters after they were freed because they worked and got room and board for it, right? I understand all of that. But slavery in the way that we did it, and that countries have done it for thousands of years, it's not good. And Christians should have stood up sooner. It is a blight on people, in my opinion, like our founding fathers who I look up to, like a George Washington or a Thomas Jefferson. They weren't perfect men, and that is a terrible stain on their record. They, who said they were Christians, should have stood up for the rights of people who were being oppressed in this country. Church, I'm not calling for you to become a, as as the world would term it, a social justice warrior. I am saying when you see somebody who's oppressed and you have an ability to stand up for that person, you'd better do it. You'd better do it. When you have the ability to defend somebody, to plead the case for somebody who cannot do it, you'd better do it. And perhaps most importantly, Seeking justice goes with encouraging somebody. Church, I deal with a lot of people, um, both in and without of this church, who are in a helpless place. They have a darkened heart, they have a darkened world around them, and they are hopeless. Not helpless, I should say. Hopeless. Our job as a church, as Christians, and I don't mean as the physical building, obviously, as a church, as a community of believers, is to encourage and build up the people around us inside and outside these walls. Now, I encourage them in their sin. I'm not saying you should be like, hey, brother, you just keep going with what you're doing. God will keep you. God will figure it out. No, no, no. I am saying, listen, um, I should have thought of an example of this yesterday as I was doing my final Run through of this, and and I didn't. Um, Encouraging somebody is a intentional thing in their life, where you pick the thing, you see it, you know them, and you see it, and you speak words of life into them. You have an ability to speak death or to speak life to somebody. Your words can either be a healing potion or a poison to somebody. There is no in between. You are called to speak life to somebody, to encourage them. Your brothers and sisters around you, inside this church right now, and outside these walls, all of us desperately need encouragement. Desperately. Give you a great example, actually. It happened this morning, and I, I, I saw Andy a couple of minutes ago turn around to look at my dad, so I'm going to assume our Facebook feed stopped working again. Okay, cool. All right, so those of you that don't know, we have a camera right here. It's right in front of me. And um, if you don't know, um, I I don't know how to help you. Um, There's a camera right here. No, no. We stream on Facebook Live, and this week we were going to begin streaming on YouTube as well. Last week our Facebook Live stopped working. Our camera stopped working. We were able to get it working again. This week, it just didn't work. And dad and I were back there for like 10 minutes doing everything we know of. It just didn't want to work. And it was very discouraging for me because is it important that we do that? No, it's really not. In the grand scheme of things, it's not. We reach other people with it. But quite frankly, most of those people that watch it could probably come here. But, you know, whatever. I'm not going to go there. Um, but the fact for the matter, there is nothing wrong with watching on Facebook Live or, or, or YouTube Live. I just want to put that out there. Um, but I do think you get a better experience in person. You get to actually see the things that I do better. Um, and you can laugh at how stupid I am. Um, no. But either way, so it stopped working, and it's very discouraging for me, because I spent all week figuring out how to get it to work so we could do Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. And then on Thursday, I talked to Andy, and he said, oh, I already sent you that. Here you go. Um, and I was like, well, that's stupid. Not for Andy, for me, that I've spent all this time trying to figure it out, and Andy's like, <laughs> it's easy. Um, and then I spent... Two days getting our YouTube ready. We were supposed to be able to test it out. But did you know that YouTube, before it will let you go live, makes you wait 24 hours before the first time you didn't? I didn't, but I know now. So the very first time we were able to test it was this morning. It was a long process. Probably not helped by my own procrastination that I have. Um, But the fact of the matter is that it just not working at all. It was, was a blow to start the service this morning to me, but it was all right. I got encouragement, not from that specifically, but from a bunch of people in here doing things like saying, good morning, pastor, and stuff like that. That's an encouragement to me because some mornings are tough, and this morning was tough. It didn't need to be because it's not important, but it was, it was a blow to me. But you guys were able to encourage me. And you never know what the people around you, within these walls, right? We all might be smiling and happy and stuff like that, but we're all walking through things. We're all oppressed in some way. I don't mean from the government or something like that. I'm not talking about church persecution. I'm talking about in your own life specifically, we're all dealing with stuff. And we all are called to be an encouragement to those around us. In short, seeking justice... It's about your relationships with other people. Are you seeking a right relationship with the people around you? Are you striving to be the man or woman of God in that person's life that God has called you to be? If not, you're not seeking justice for that person. Plain and simple. Now, None of us are perfect, right? I'm not, not asking anybody here to be perfect all the time. I'm not. It's a process. So let's apply it to our lives. Let's apply it, shall we? Who are the vulnerable around you? What the Bible defines as the vulnerable, and we talked about them earlier, who are they around you? Right. I'll give you one for instance, uh, and I'm, and I'm going to praise somebody. Right. Louis came to me um, uh, late November, early December, something like that, and asked me if, if Maddie and I would like to join him, going up to the um, Susquehanna County uh, Correctional Facility. They're outside of Montrose. Once a month to do a service for them, right? Those people, now I'm not saying they they do or do not belong in there. I'm not going to get into that. I am saying that they're in a place where they are poor of spirit most of the time. Poor, I should have said this way back then, poor does not necessarily mean money-wise, although it can. Are you poor of spirit? Are they poor of spirit? Are they downtrodden? Okay, you can put that note way back there in number one. I should have said that then, I didn't. And Maddie and I said yes, and now on the fifth Sunday of a month, on the, on the months that there's five Sundays, the three of us will be going up there and, and doing a little service for them. That is meeting the vulnerable where they are at. Louie knew of those people who were vulnerable and said, I can meet that need, and I feel God has called me to meet that need, so I'm going to. Do you want to come along with me? And I told him, as long as you were the one leading it, I will gladly come along with you. Who are the vulnerable around you? That's the first step. You've got to identify those people. And if you're like, I don't, I don't know, ask God. He'll let you know. Number two, the second step of that is, how do you seek justice for them where they are at? You've got to identify who they are and then identify how to help them right if you come to me if you're like i identify pastor sam as one of the vulnerable around me and you know what i i am going to go clean his house for him to help him out that doesn't help me you can ask my poor wife i clean a very certain way and if you come and clean my house guess what i will be doing as soon as you leave redoing everything you have done it's nothing against any of you i'm sure you clean great you don't clean the way that I do. My poor wife will load the dishwasher, and I've tried to wait until she goes in another room, and then I, I, re, I realign it all. Not because she did it wrong, because it's not wrong. It's just the way that I wouldn't do it, right? It doesn't help if you help the vulnerable in a way that doesn't actually help them in any way, shape, or form, right? If you're like, I want to encourage Maddie, and you come up to her and you tell her about No, I won't use you. If you come up, I'll use I'll use me again. Well, cause here's the thing, I don't want to accidentally strike a nerve. Like I'll make up something and she'll be like Oh no, he actually, and I'm not going there. And it's not just her, I could do that with any of you. So I'll use me again. Um, If you come up to me and you're like, I want to encourage you, Pastor Sam. You just do a great job of taking care of the snow. I don't care. Thanks, I guess. I put my earphones in, turn on the snowblower, and spend an hour and a half going, <laughs> I don't care, thank you. I'm not going to be like, you don't care about me. No, but that's not something that really is a boon to me, right? But if you came up to me, and I'm not asking anybody to do this after service today, right? Because I know there are some people who in here who are like, I'll do it as a joke, I'll get them. He won't see it coming. I see it coming because when I was not a pastor, I would sit in the pew and do the same thing. So I see it coming, all right? I'm not a teacher who's gonna be like, I see everything coming. No, no, you could probably get me on something, just not this. If you came up to me and said, you know what, I'll use a great example. I'm sorry. Dad. Dad's told me I need to do my conclusions quicker. I'm trying. It's probably not happening, but I'm trying. Every single Sunday that my grandma heard one of my sermons, whether she was here or whether she was in Florida and they watched it online or something like that. Every single Sunday, she would tell me about how it touched her life and was an encouragement to her. That was an encouragement to me because there are a great many Sundays when I stand up here and I'm giving it my all, right, I'm telling my stupid jokes, I'm, I'm really into it and stuff like that, and it's like there's just this wall between me and the rest of you. And I'm like, are they even listening to what I'm saying? Are they even really engaging with me here? And maybe some of you aren't, probably some of you are. There are a great many sermons I have listened to where I was not engaged with the pastor. So, you know, we're all on even footing here, right? But that was a great encouragement to me. And every single time she did it, It lifted up my spirits because there are some Sunday mornings, whether it's something that goes wrong or the preaching goes wrong or maybe you can't hear it, but for Pete's sake, I couldn't play the second half of the Messiah mashup, which is the second song we did this morning. I couldn't play a chord right, that entire thing. It was so frustrating to me. But when my grandma was the one who did it, she would come up to me and tell me that it touched her. Not how great a preacher I was. I don't need a big head. But that the words that God gave me to speak were the words she needed to hear. That's the sort of stuff, right? That speaks to me, and it's different for each one of us. You've got to identify the vulnerable around you and identify how to help them. Lastly, and this is I I am I, I mentioned it last week. I'm trying to give you a practical application, a practical thing that you can do. And I didn't write it down there because I came up with it after I printed out the note sheets. So you'll have to write it down yourself, if you want to. It's twofold, actually. Strive to memorize. Micah 6, 6 through 8. And if that's a little bit too much, I get it because memorizing can be hard. At least verse 8. And two, and many of you in here might already have that verse memorized. But two, I want you to choose one person, and I'm going to make it easy, to encourage this week. I'm not asking you to go out. Now, if God puts it on your heart, you've got to do it. I'm not asking you to go out and defend somebody. I'm asking you to choose one person to encourage this week. Seek justice for one person this week. The the issue is we tend to get too caught up in, I've got to help this person. Parry it down. Ask God, show me the one person you want me to encourage this week. And then do it. Don't just ask him. Don't just go, all right, I'll do it, God. And then you walk away and a week later I'm up here preaching and you're going, oh, I didn't do it. Oh, well, guess it's too late now. Promise God you will do it. I don't say that lightly. God holds us to our promises. But do it. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you command us to seek justice. I thank you that, that you show us who needs justice in this world. And it's not me. It is, the, it is the poor of spirit. It is the oppressed. It is the widow. It is the orphan. And I thank you that you show us how to seek justice for them. Father, I ask for each one of us in this room or listening, including myself, that you would show us the person this week that you want us to encourage. Give us that one person. If it's more than that, great. But give us at least that one person. And then use your Holy Spirit to just grind into us until we finally give in and do it. Because for some of us, it's going to be stepping out of our comfort zone. That's all right. Father, I just ask that you would show us, lead us, and guide us how to do this. Because we want to do what is required of us. We want to do what you ask of us, Father. It's in the name of your precious son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.